God at the state capitol. I uh, was forbidden this morning to, or I wasn't forbidden, but I was shut down on telling jokes. So, uh, so uh, I won't tell you a joke, but I'll tell you a funny story. Yesterday, when we got to the hotel, um, I wanted some uh, heavy cream for my coffee. Um, they put a coffee pot in my hotel room so I can make morning coffee because it's way better than hotel coffee. And uh, we, Phyllis, Phyllis has got me trained in a coffee routine. Back, you know, when I was growing up and even in my early, early uh, manhood, I, coffee was just something to drink to caffeinate, you know. But after being married to her, I realized that with women in particular, coffee is a ritual. I mean, it, it's an event. It's like when, when we do, she does coffee in the morning, and then she does one cup of afternoon coffee. And in both, both rituals, you have to lay out a certain napkin and certain kinds of spoons. Now, see, if I, if I, if I mess it up with a paper towel or something, I mean, that's, that, that's ruined the whole thing. She buys napkins just for coffee. You don't use the same napkins that you use for eating and wiping your mouth. You, you buy little napkins that are seasonally themed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the fall, they got pumpkins on them. In the holidays, they've got Christmas on them. Yeah, it's a seasonally thing. So you have your little four-by-four four napkin, and you lay out the spoons, and it's a ritual. So she's gotten me trained now. I used to drink coffee black. Then I started drinking it with sugar. Then I got all sugar. But she likes cream in it, heavy cream. So... Um, She's got me on that. That's the way I drink it. So yesterday, we didn't have, uh, they, they had coffee for me, and I have my sweetener, but they didn't have cream. So I sent David, where's David? There's David over there. David's my praise and worship leader and travels with me a good bit. Amen. Does a great job. David uh, used to work for Benny Hinn. Then he worked for Ron Canoli. He's traveled all over the world with these guys. Now he's with me, and he's tried to leave, but... God jerked him back, and I guess, I guess I'm stuck with him, or he's stuck with me, or whatever. Anyway, I sent him to um, the store, because uh, they left us a, a vehicle, and he had the keys. I said, uh, he said, you need anything from the store? I said, yeah, I need these three things, and I mentioned them, and I said, I need heavy whipping cream, organic. My wife has got me drink organic heavy whipping cream. So I even sent him a picture. I texted Phyllis and said, send me a picture of the cream so he'll know what to get. So she sent me a picture of the carton. I sent him, a, I texted him a picture. So I got a text from him at the store. He was at the store and he said, they don't have that heavy whipping cream. They do, but they do have uh, some cream in a, in a glass bottle. I said, well, just, just get me, you know, whatever you can get. Then he texted me back and he said, I started to say, we're not in Kansas anymore, but we are. So. You what? Walmart does? Okay. Well, live and learn. Here we are. But anyway, it's good to be in Kansas. It's good to have you guys down from Topeka. And, and like I say, again, it's always great to be in Dodge City. Glory to God. I'm not one of these guys that's looking to get out of Dodge. 
I like coming to Dodge. Praise the Lord. Snow and wind and everything. I love it out here. Glory to God. It's just, just good to be a part of it. This morning, we begin looking at a verse of Scripture. I want us to turn back and revisit these Scriptures. Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 10. And then we'll look at the, uh, a companion Scripture to it. But in Hebrews chapter 10, we begin to look into uh, <clears throat> the 31st, uh, 35th verse. We started there. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. We are not of them that draw back into perdition or into destruction, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And then verse 1 of chapter 11 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I called your attention that uh, verse of Scripture, verse 38, Now the just shall live by faith. Four times that Scripture is found in the New Testament. The just shall live by faith. It's certainly a familiar concept to all of us because we're faith people and we go to a faith church and we cut our teeth on the word of faith and we know the value of it and uh, we know how it comes. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But notice here, even uh, in, in uh, Paul's day, talking to people of faith. You understand this, the, the Bible, the New Testament, was written by faith people to faith people. Written by spirit-filled, tongue-talking believers to spirit-filled, tongue-talking believers. That's the reason that you'll see things in the Bible that some people won't see. You may have family members or associates, friends, whatever, that uh, you've talked about the scriptures before. I remember early on in my life, uh, my Christian life, my Christian walk, before I was really in full-time ministry, working a secular job, and I would have these debates with the guys. One guy that uh, was a, you know, one of my peers, one of my co-workers, he was a good Baptist brother. He was saved on his way to heaven, but he, for the life of him, just could not see it like I saw it. And I didn't understand that. Why don't you see it this way? I mean, how plain, how obvious, how, how, how much more do you need than he bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases? Where do you get this? God uses sickness to teach you. Where, where does that even come from? I don't get it. I mean, intellectually I understood, but I just didn't understand why he didn't get it. And it's for this reason. It's because the scriptures, the Bible, was penned course, inspired by the Holy Ghost, spoken, written by people who walked in the light of the Word, prayed in the Spirit, knew the fullness of the Spirit and the power of God, and it was written to people that were the same way. And so we see things in the Word of God, but even in the light of this, he tells us, don't cast away your confidence. It has great potential of reward, but you have need of patience. Not just faith, but patience is necessary in order for you to receive the promises of God. Then the warning there about drawing back. If any man draw back, God has no pleasure in him. And he says again, verse 38, the just shall live by faith. Everybody say it out loud. I walk by faith. 
and not by sight. Ooh, glory to God. Aren't you glad you learned how to do that? Now, let's go to this, uh, to the source of this. Go back to the book of Habakkuk once again. We're in the second chapter of Habakkuk, and this is where the just shall live by faith was first said, and this is where they reference it in the New Testament. We looked again at this, this morning, verse 1, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Then again, verse 4 says, Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Amen. The just shall live by his faith. I want to share with you again what the uh, contemporary English version of verse 4, how it reads. I like this. It says, I, the Lord, refuse to accept anyone who is proud. Only those who live by faith are acceptable to me. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Only those who live by faith is acceptable to me. Praise God. Well, again, we live by faith. We're acceptable to God. Hallelujah. Now, the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Write the vision. God is a God of vision. And this is the way that he leads us. And this is the way that he calls us. And this is the way that he directs us. In the Old Testament, they had to follow the, the, the natural signs. They had to follow the cloud and follow the pillar of fire in the wilderness. They, uh, they were led in, in, in other ways that were external. There were, there were signs and so forth. A lot of times, people, New Testament people, find themselves wishing for signs, for burning bushes, for outward manifestations like this. Lord, if you would just confirm it in some uh, you know, remarkable way. Uh, have a, have a, 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 a dog walk up to me and speak in a tongue that I can hear. And, and then I'll, but, but God doesn't lead us through these outward and external manifestations. Supernatural, to the contrary, notwithstanding, he leads us primarily by vision. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Where is God, where, where does the Spirit of God dwell? Where does he abide? He lives in me. He lives in you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Boy, that's a, I mean, you could just take off with that right there. There's somebody in you and there's somebody in the world. Actually, there's some bodies in the world. But there's somebody, someone in you and he's greater. He's greater than all of these. He's greater than all the things we sing about. The greater one lives in me. I am a spirit. God is a spirit. The spirit of God indwells my spirit. As many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now the scripture tells us different ways that the spirit leads, but the one we're focusing on right now primarily is the Lord leads us by vision. Vision. God is the God of vision. And God gives us vision. And where we get frustrated a lot of times and where we find ourselves struggling is when our vision grows dim. It's when we lose sight of where we're going and what we're supposed to be doing, when we lose sight. Now, you can lose sight of it for a number of reasons. 
One thing that'll cause you to lose sight of it is being distracted by other things. You know, it, it seems through the, in the scriptures now, as a, as a, uh, a three-part being, you're a spirit, as, as we've determined. You have a soul, but you also live in a body. And, and these three parts of you are, are really, uh, we, we, we take them apart and examine them individually for teaching purposes. But you're a composite being. I mean, you, you don't see a soul walking around without a spirit or without a body. I mean, here in this life, it's all three of these parts together. And, and, and we, it's important that we do identify these because if you don't know the difference, then you won't understand what it means to be led by your spirit as opposed to being led by your mind. But, but, but you, you receive input from a lot of things. You have five senses, the sense of touch, the sense of sight, the sense of taste, the sense of smell, the sense of uh, hearing. And uh, it seems that in the natural realm, Satan uses predominantly the sense of sight in order to capture your attention and attempt to lead or mislead you as the case may be. When in the Garden of Eden, and Eve and Satan in the form of the serpent began their conversation. That was a mistake. She should never have tried to debate with the devil. Don't ever try to debate with the devil. Don't ever try to carry on a conversation. Don't ever try to convince him of anything. He's a master of deception. But what did he say to her? He said, look at that tree. He saw, she saw that the fruit on that tree was desired. And, and would make one wise. And Satan used the sight. He used what she saw. And he'll do that today. And, and the things that you see will try to become big in you. The things that you see, Satan will use them. And the, the world system will use them in order to create a vision of disaster and destruction. You know, if you, if you, if you watch the news, then when you lay your head down, you'll see floods and tsunamis and fires and wars and, and, and things like that. God, on the other hand, now this is not exclusive to either one of them, don't get me wrong, but primarily God leads you through your sense of hearing as opposed to your sense of sight. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the reason for that is, the reason God prefers hearing over sight, you know, I mean, he could appear to you if he wanted to. He could have an angel appear to you here in this place if he wanted to. But God doesn't want you to become sight dependent. He doesn't want you to, 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 to become uh, addicted to that as it were, to need that in your life. He wants to reach you through your ears because by using your sense of hearing, he can do something that your eyes cannot do. Satan can't do through your eyes. Now, some of you guys are old enough to remember the old radio days. I can. I was, I, I think television was around. I think it had been invented by the time I came along, but it was new. We had, our first TV was a little bitty, the box was huge, but the, little, the screen was small, and it was black and white, and I can remember when there were three channels. I'm talking about in the whole country, three channels. There was CBS, there was NBC, and there was PBS. I remember when ABC came along. Okay? And so 
we had this TV and this little black and white screen. And uh, my dad, of course, you know, we, we just middle class and TVs were expensive back in those days. And my dad was one to save money when he could, so he bought a used one. And I can remember this television, when we'd watch it, one of us would have to position the rabbit ears in a certain way and, and be sure that they were just right. Dad telling us, move it a little bit this way, and we'd get it right, and then we could go around and watch TV. And sometimes the thing would go off because it's got all these tubes in the back, you know. And, uh, and, and Dad, uh, had a, one of them had a bad socket, so Dad had an old fishing knife that he had wrapped up with rubber tape, and he'd take the back off and he'd tap on the top of one of those tubes and if the TV wasn't working and it would come on. Those were exciting days, brother. <laughs> I can remember the first color television I ever saw. It was amazing. Any of y'all relate to this experience? You remember Bonanza? Bonanza was the first show I saw in color. Remember the NBC Peacock and it had all, it spread that tail and have those colors? Oh my goodness. And, and, and watching Bonanza, it was like, it was so vivid, it was amazing. There was this one guy in the neighborhood, his family bought a color TV. Now then everybody in the neighborhood's his new best friend. We all wanted to go watch that television. Wasn't anything to watch in color except just two or three shows. But boy, that was an experience. You know what I mean? Amen. And so you sit there and you watch that TV. But the thing is, when you watch TV, all you see is what you see. Prior to those days, in the old radio days, where they would have the storytellers on there, you know, that Gunsmoke was a radio show before it was a television show, and uh, as were a lot of them, and they'd tell these stories. And what you'd see, you'd still see something, but you'd see it in your imagination. You'd see an inner image of it. I remember watching Gunsmoke on television before I heard Gunsmoke on the radio. I'd go, I'd hear, you know, subsequently have heard those old uh, radio programs. But now what I remember people saying was that had listened to the Gunsmoke radio program, when the TV show came on, they didn't like it because it didn't look right. Their imagination had given them a totally different picture. See, you don't realize, you folks in Dodge City, y'all was making history before you even knew you was making history. You was making television history. You're making ministry history. Here I am, preaching on, on your town. But you would listen to those shows, and you would see them in what some people call your mind's eye, you call your imagination. But you would see those things, and then they would be, a, they would be totally different than what when it was portrayed on television, because what was portrayed on television was somebody else's vision of what it was, should be. Everybody follow what I'm saying? Yes. So this is why God wants to use your ears, why, why faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Some people say, boy, I believe if I could just see a miracle. There's no indication that miracles have ever produced faith. What miracles do is inspire people to act on their faith, but they don't produce faith. Because all that is, all a miracle is, is an event in somebody else's life. It has nothing to do with me unless I know what the promise of God is. Are you listening to me? So God wants to use your ears because then he's got the ability, the Holy Ghost has got the ability to create 
images in you, and those images we call vision. So the writer of Habakkuk, the one who said, the just shall live by faith, said that we stand on our watch. We have a responsibility to tune in to God, to listen to what he has to say, to hear what he's telling us, and then to embrace what he's telling us, to take hold of it. See, there's, there's the, 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 your responsibility doesn't end when the church service is dismissed. You're here on a mission. You're not here out of duty. You're here on a mission. This is part of God's uh, plan for your life. It is a step in getting you where you're supposed to be, in fulfilling your destiny. And, and it's not about you just coming in and feeling better. You're going to hear things. And when you hear them, it's important that you mix faith with these things. All right? This is why he said in that second verse of chapter 2, write the vision. Write it down. I developed this habit early on before I even knew this verse of Scripture was in here, and I'm so glad that I did. I have reams, notebooks, literally notebooks. I have desk drawers and, and boxes cabinets full of notes that I have taken over the years. And again, I just got in that habit because I recognize I'm hearing things that I don't want to lose. I don't want to forget. Now, we've all had the experience of uh, somebody telling you something. A person can tell you something, give you a piece of advice, tell you a tip, an insider tip about something, or the Holy Ghost can speak to you or you hear something in a service, which is, of course, the Holy Ghost speaking to you, and you say, you know, I, I'm, I'm going I'm, to, I need to remember that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that. And then three or four days later, you're thinking, all right, now, what was that that I was going to remember? Oh, what was that? Bring that, Lord, bring that back to me. Bring that back to me. Well, in His grace and mercy, He often does, but He's really not obligated to because He gave you the opportunity to do something with it at the time. Are you here? And what is it that you're to do? When the Lord speaks to you, get in the habit of writing it down. Because writing it down is a step of faith in your life. The just shall live by faith is in context of this hearing from heaven, hearing from God, standing on my watch, and acting on what I hear. What I mean by that is that an idea, a thought, as long as it's in your head, it has no substance. It's just an idea. My brother-in-law told me one time, he said, you know, you're only, a, only one idea away from a million dollars. He's just talking something that somebody told him. Just one idea away from a million dollars. That's not true. I guarantee you, every single person in this place has had million-dollar ideas at one time or another. Has anybody here besides me had the experience of thinking, you know, we need to, somebody needs to make something that does this. And a year later, you see one in the store. What was that? You had an idea. Where's your million dollars? That idea wasn't worth a million dollars to you because you didn't do anything with it. 
Now, if you want, had wanted to and had been determined about it, you could have taken that same idea that the other person had at probably the, about the same time that made theirs, you could have made it first. And then, but then a lot of times we don't do things like that because, well, I don't know where to go to talk, who to talk to or how to market it or how to do this or how to do that. But we, we need to understand that all of these things, and, and it's not just about making something or inventing something. It's just life. It all starts with a step, one step, and that step is called a step of faith in our walk with God. And so... An idea, a thought, a concept, a revelation, none of these things, they have no substance as long as they're just that. But when you write them down, you take the first step toward giving substance to that truth in your life. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if I have a revelation an illumination, if I get light on a Bible truth that he is my healer. I know this. The Lord said to me, and I've, I've preached some of this here, although that's no reason not to do it again because every Bible truth has to be, you know, reiterated over and over and over over. Planted, watered, 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 watered. Kept before us. But some of you may remember I shared something years gone by about the word restoration. Well, I was in uh, Brazil. I think it was in 2015. And I was preparing for a service, just minding my own business, praying, as I said this morning, praying in the Spirit, looking through the Bible, just kind of generally speaking, just kind of thumbing through the pages. My eyes fell on 2 Kings chapter 8 and the story of the, the woman, um, the, uh, uh, you know, uh, the story of the woman who uh, opened her house up to the, the prophet. Yeah. And later on, her son, she got a son, her son died, and, and he was restored to life. And I, I was reading down through there, and my eyes fell on that verse, those two verses, that the word restore is found in four times. Restore, 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 restored. And it was like those, those verses, just those words were illuminated. You know, it was supernatural. The, the Lord was pointing that out to me. And when the Lord said that, I thought, wow, I never noticed that before. That's cool. But because I had the habit, I made a note of that. And when I made the note of it, when I wrote down that word, all I did was write down that word restore, Pastor Jim. The Lord began to talk to me about it. Now, he showed it to me, but I had to do something with it. And what did I do? I have the habit of writing down anything the Lord says to me. So I wrote that verse of Scripture down, and I wrote, Note, restored. Restored. Then later on, the Lord began to speak to me about it. And he said, You are entering a season of restoration. And then he began to enlarge on it and expand on it. And as time went by, and we're talking about 2015 to 2024, we're talking about nine years now. God has been enlarging and expanding that revelation and that understanding of restoration. And not only have I been walking in it and seeing the manifestation of it in my life, but I've been able to help a lot of other people, a lot of ministers with this truth. But it just started with a word. 
restored. But because I had developed the habit of writing things down so that they didn't slip away from me. Now, we've all done that. I've done that, too. I've had the unfortunate occurrence of not writing something down and then thinking, what was that? Why didn't I do that? But I learned this from Brother Hagin. Brother Hagin said, you know, he'd always keep a pencil and a, a notepad by his bed so that if the Lord said something to him in the night, he, he, could, he could write it down, make a note of it. Amen. You, you, you'll find that writing down those notes and writing down those words and writing down those ideas is an integral step in taking you to the fulfillment of God's will and God's revelation in your life. So, one reason that things grow dim is because, first of all, we don't do anything at all with it. It might be the will of God. It might be established from the foundation of the earth to be your destiny. But if you don't do something with it, you're never going to realize it fully. So obviously doing nothing with what the Lord shows you or says to you or teaches you is going to cause that vision to grow dim. But let's say you do write it down. What does he say do with it? Write the vision so he may run that reads it. God gives you these things. He'll speak things to you. He'll show you things in here, but you make a note of them. You write them down and read them because you'll find that the things God says to you, just like any word of God in his book, it has life in it. It is today. It is current. It is present tense. And every time you read it, it would be just as impactful as it was the first time that he said it to you. So you read it. And you rehearse it and you refresh yourself in it and you keep it alive. That's what you do with your Bible. You go back over the scriptures that speak to your heart, that particularly apply to you. You, you have your favorites. And then, and then, of course, I hope you, you take in the whole counsel of God. You read your Bible through. But there are going to be parts of it that you read more than others. Certain books that you like more than others. I have my favorites. The Old Testament, Deuteronomy, is one of my favorite books. I don't know why it always has been, but it was an encouragement to me when I found out it was uh, Jesus liked it too. Always liked Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is basically uh, four of Moses' sermons and, a and an account of his death. But I've just always gravitated to the book of Deuteronomy, say over Leviticus or something like that. Jesus quoted more out of the book of Deuteronomy than he did any other book in the Old Testament. So, what can I say? Great minds think alike, right? He certainly has a great mind. So you have your favorites, and you'll have those favorite scriptures and those that you gravitate to. I like, in the New Testament, I like the book of Ephesians. I consider the book of Ephesians to be the high ground of the New Testament. Some of the other epistles have the same truth in them, some of the same truth, but there's just something about the book of Ephesians especially those first three chapters. Yeah. The first half of Ephesians, the first three chapters, tell us who we are in Christ, what we have, and what He's done. Yeah. The, last three verse, the last three chapters in the book of Ephesians tells us how to live and how to, how to act 
and how to behave in the light of who we are and what he's done. It gives us something to do. I just, I just like it. I like the book of James. Love the book of Hebrews. Like the book of Revelation. I like the epistles of John. I like the gospel of John. I like them all. I read them all, but there are certain ones that I go to more than others because they speak to me. But now see, the things that God speaks to you will also speak to you. Things that I receive from God as I stand on my watch, as I spend my time praying, and He speaks to me and He shows me things. He shows me my future. That's what vision is. That's what your vision is. It's your future. It can be. In God's mind, it is. He'll show you something. And as far as he's concerned, this is my will for you. This is what I want for you. But you've got to embrace that as well. Because it's the will of God that all men be saved and come into a knowledge of truth. But are all men saved? Do all men come into the knowledge of the truth? No. So just it being the will of God is not enough. We have to do something. The just shall live by faith. And writing down what God shows you and what God speaks to you is faith in action. And what does faith do? Faith gives substance to the things hoped for. Now this morning we talked a little bit about how that I'm not just talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about everything because God's interested in every area of your life. Have you ever, have you ever in your own quiet time come out of a meeting or been reading your Bible or whatever and just got the, got the, the unction in your heart or seen yourself, a scene, a flash of something that you could be and thought, man, one of these days I'll be rich. I'm going to be a multi-millionaire. Has that ever happened to anybody here? Well, it has me. What are you ashamed of? I've had those, I, I, I had those thoughts. I had those glimpses. I had those flashes. When I was so broke, I couldn't pay attention. I literally, brother, now some, some people exaggerate and say things just to be funny. And I've heard a fellow say, I was so broke, I needed a cosigner to pay cash. <laughs> but I literally, at one time in my life, was so broke and my credit was so bad, I couldn't pay cash for something. That's how busted I was. I tried to rent a car and pay cash. And they said, we need a credit card. I said, okay, well, here's a credit card. It's got my information on it. I, I, I knew it was you know, over the limit and past due and all that, but I, I don't want to put it on the card. I want to give you cash. I've got the cash. I had a sack of cash money. I want to give you the cash money. They did the credit card and said, mm, sorry, we can't do it. I said, wait a minute, man. I'll pay cash. He said, we're sorry. We can't do it. I said, well, okay. And he said, and uh, the card company told us to keep your card. So, now that's broke. I got most of you beat. But I saw light. I saw hope. I saw, I saw what God could do. I saw Jesus bearing my poverty 
I saw him being made poor so that I, through his poverty, could be rich. And I began to see myself rich. I begin to see myself wearing nice clothes and I begin to see myself living in a nice place and, and driving nice vehicles and flying nice airplanes. And I begin to see myself rise. I wrote these things down. I wrote these things down that I was expecting God to do in my life. What are you doing with what God shows you? What are you doing with it? I says, well, I'm believing God. Well, remember this. James tells us that faith is an act. What act? Have you taken what step have you taken with what God has shown you for your future, your potential? What step have you taken? Now, your words are important. That is a step. Faith speaks. Somebody might say, well, I've, I've claimed it. Okay. You claimed it, but what are you doing with it today? Claimed is past tense. What are you doing now? What have you done this morning? What have you done this afternoon? What's coming out of your mouth tonight? Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He's greater. He's greater. He is. But you've got to understand, faith gives substance to things hoped for. Not wishing... Hope is hope, and faith is faith, and hope is good, and hope is necessary, and we all ought to all have high hopes. Remember the old song? He had high hopes. I forget what he wanted to do now or who even who it was. But I just remember he had high hopes. Amen. Our hopes should be high, but our faith's got to be mixed with it. What are you doing with what God has shown you? What are you doing with what God has given you vision of? Do you have a vision of being debt free? Do you have a vision of having of, of, of requiring no outside aid or support? Do you have a vision of being independently wealthy and being a supply to others instead of a Someone who is in need all the time. Do you have a vision of that? What are you doing with that vision? What are you doing with that hope? Have you written it down? Have you made a note of it and go back and read it on a regular basis? So that he may run that reads it, it says. It, it looks to me like, according to Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2, that running with it is tied to reading it. Can you run without reading it? He doesn't separate the two so that he may write it down, write the vision so he may run that reads it. Glory to God. We need to be running. When vision grows dim, we slow down. When vision grows dim, we slow down. And one reason that vision grows dim is because instead of reading what God has said to us, both here and here. Do you have a vision book, by the way? Do you have, do, do you have a, a, a notebook dedicated to vision? You can. You should. 
But our vision will grow dim if we don't feed it. When you read it, you feed it. And the reason you quit reading it and feeding it is because you start looking at other things. And Satan grabs your attention once again. And now then it seems like more believers that I'm in contact with are waiting on an election than they are waiting on the Lord. Now we're going to have an election. It's coming. And I'm not knocking it. I have high hopes <laughs> about the election. I know what needs to happen. I know what I want to happen. And I'm pretty sure I know what's going to happen. But that's another subject. I have grown weary of waiting on something to happen for my vision to come to pass. I have decided to re-engage with God's vision for my life instead of coasting. See, it doesn't say anything about write it so that he can coast that reads it. It says run. Run. Oh, glory to God. See, reading... Faith puts energy in your tank, puts fuel in your tank. It enables you to run. Glory to God. And so our vision grows dim because we let our eyes and attention be captivated by other things. So get back to your vision. Get back to what God has said to you. And as a matter of fact, it wouldn't hurt you to take some time and say, Lord, you got anything else to add to it? Keep it coming, Lord. Keep it coming. I'm burning fuel at a pretty fast rate. Give me some more. You know, I learned this when I started getting into flying jets. One guy told me, he said, speed is money. In other words, if you want to go fast, fast, you're going to spend more money to do that than you are to go slower. And I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about the, the type of, of, of flying that you do. Jets burn more fuel than turboprops and piston planes. But they go a lot faster. Money and speed go together. Well, God wants you to run. And he's ready to fuel you and me. And the more we got in the tank, the faster we can go. And we don't have to wait on something to happen in a whole other town, in a state capital or a federal capital or anything else. We can start running. We can actually kill two birds with one stone or in one way. We can run with the vision God has given us and keep our focus and still be very, very effective in our influence. In, in other areas. But it's not an either or thing. You know what I'm talking about, child of God. You know how the body of Christ has been consumed with some peripheral things instead of consumed with the, with the word and with the spirit. You remember, you remember what it was like. We'll look at that in a minute. But, but well, as a matter of fact, let's look at it now. Go with me back to Deuteronomy. 
Good book. Look at chapter 11. Glory to God. Is this okay? Deuteronomy chapter 11. Let's, let's start reading here in verse uh, 7. Deuteronomy 11, 7. Your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. God talking to Israel. But tonight God's talking to Dodge City. Your eyes have seen the acts of God. Your eyes have seen the manifestation of God's power and spirit. You've seen it. Pat, you've seen it. You've been around long enough. You've seen things. You've seen God do things. You folks have seen miracles. You have seen healings. You have seen impossible situations turn. You have seen God's glory. You have seen these things. God wants you to know that in 2024, you can see them again. He starts out, you have seen your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord, which he did. Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land, whether you go to possess it. I wonder if when God spoke these things to his people Israel, as they were in the wilderness, as he was preparing them for this land, I wonder if it mattered who was the king in one of these other cities. I wonder if it mattered who was in charge in Canaan. Or did it only matter that God's people go in faith, in confidence, in his word, and in his power? It doesn't mention anything about the political scene in Canaan. It just says, you've seen God work. You've seen his acts. Now, keep his word that you may be strong and go in and possess the land, whether you go to possess it. And that you may prolong your days in the land, which the Lord swear to your fathers to give unto them and to their seed, a land that flows with milk and honey. For the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt, from whence you came out, where you sowed your seed and watered it with your foot as a garden of herbs. But the land whither you go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drinks water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God cares for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year, that's January, even unto the end of the year, that's December. God's eyes are on us now. Not tomorrow. They'll be there tomorrow, but now. The beginning of this new year. Oh, glory to God. He said, it's not like where you came from, where you planted your seed and watered it with your foot. What's he talking about there? Well, the, the Jews, uh, the people, old covenant people of God, they, they wound up as servants and slaves in Egypt. And, and down in, in, uh, in Egypt, where they, where they uh, worked the crops down in the Nile Delta, it didn't rain. It was watered by the Nile River. What would happen is the rains up in the north of Africa would, would cause flooding and it would wash fertile dirt down into the Nile Delta. And, uh, but then the waters would recede and you've got the one river there and, and there's no rain. So they had this great ground and they planted the seed, but seeds got to have water. 
So they rigged up some kind of a contraption, a treadmill is basically what it was, that would transport water from the river and irrigate the crops. Now, I don't know about you, but I am, uh, what's the word? I am, uh, um, I, 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 <laughs> I don't know exactly what word to use, other than I am uh, just by nature opposed to treadmills. What was that? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. A treadmill. I, I, I'm not against exercise. Don't get me wrong. I like to, I, you know, I, I believe we should keep ourselves in shape. But treadmills just aren't my thing. It's just not my thing. I bought a gym one time on eBay. I, wanted, I, had, I built a building and I, I wanted a... a uh, exercise equipment. So I found a gym going out of business up in New Hampshire, I believe it was, and I bought the whole thing, lock, stock, and barrel. I bought thousands and thousands of pounds of free weights. I bought benches. I bought three commercial, this was a commercial gym, three bicycles, three stationary bicycles, two professional treadmills, and two uh, stair climber things. Mirrors, sound system, and probably 10,000 pounds of weights. And they crated it all up and shipped it down to me, and I, I built a gym in my room. One of the power team, John, remember John Jacobs in the power team? One of the power team came over to my house for a workout one time. And he looked around, he said, now this was one of the power team. He said, man, if I had this, I'd be huge. <laughs> I mean, his arms were this big around as it was. He said, if I had this, I'd be huge. It was a great gym. You know, I never used those treadmills, and I never rode those bicycles, and I never used those stair climbers. I did the free weights, and I did some of that other stuff, but I just, I'm just philosophically opposed <laughs> to a treadmill. It's just not my thing. I think most people are. I think that's the way, reason that they got to dress them up in hotels. You go into uh, nice hotels that have nice you know, workout rooms, and they've got televisions on them. And, you know, where you can put on a headset. Why? Because nobody likes standing there spending great amounts of energy and time going nowhere. Amen. You do it for an hour, and you look, and you're in the exact same place that you were when you started. I, I, I just don't like that. There's something in me that ob objects to that. If traffic stops for a train, I'm the guy that'll turn around and drive six miles. And if you just waited for the train, you'd be there already. But I, I just don't like sitting and waiting. Have I got a friend in this place? God doesn't like them either. He delivered his people from treadmills. So don't blame me. I'm Christ-like. We don't. We object to treadmills. God said it's not like that. I'm going to send the rain. The rain. You know, the rain's a type of the Holy Ghost. God doesn't expect us to work the treadmills, walk the treadmills in church. He expects us to get up here and the rain falls. Glory to God. The rain falls on his people and you become fruitful. 
we made this statement that the Lord had spoken to me and said, 24, 2024 is my year for more. More what? Exactly. It's up to you. What do you want more of? I automatically think of John chapter 15, verse 2. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he purges. Every branch that bears fruit, or he, 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 uh, he, he cuts it off. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. You see, 2024 is my year for more fruit. More spiritual fruit. More love, more joy, more peace. Glory to God. But it's also my year for more other stuff. More money. More ministry. More fun. More move, more movement. I'm not gonna stay, I'm not gonna finish this year where I started. I'm not gonna walk a treadmill in 2024. The rain of the Spirit's fallen in my life. What about you? Keep reading. Notice what he says. From the beginning of the year to the end of the year. I expect God to move every day this year. I expect the Holy Ghost to manifest himself every day this year. Every day. From beginning to end. Glory to God. Keep reading. And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently to my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first, uh, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou may gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. And I will send grass in the fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Aren't we in cattle country? Isn't this cattle country? I know it is, because when I got off the plane in Garden City, I immediately smelled money. Oh, yeah, that's the smell of money. I learned that when I first started coming here. One of you guys told me that. I don't remember who it was, but one of you guys told me that. You smell that, Pastor Webb? Yeah, I smell it. You know what that is? That's the smell of money. See here? Well, I, I thought it was just cows. No, that's the smell of money. What did he say? He said he'd take care of your cattle, your grass the fields, that you may eat and be full. He said, take heed that you don't turn aside, that your heart be not deceived. You turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. What we're surrounded with today, and all this is part and parcel of trying to steal your vision. We are surrounded today by worshipers of other things. Karl Marx said, the, 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 you know, the one who conceptualized communism, Karl Marx said that religion is the opiate of the people. But there was a Christian apologist named G.K. Chesterton. Perhaps some of you have heard of him. He was British uh, uh, back during the late 19th and early 20th century. And uh, he was a prolific writer and, and uh, just a very, very smart man. And he said, it's just the opposite. Religion is not the opiate of the people. Let's see if I got that quote in here. It's not religion that is the opiate of the people. It is um, the lack of it. He said, wherever the people do not believe in something beyond the world, they will worship the world. But above all, they will worship the strongest thing in the world. And we're surrounded by people that are worshiping the world. 
We're worshipers of God. But the world is worshiping itself. Some people are literally worshiping the planet these days. Right here in America, satanic churches are rising up. I'm talking about worshipers of Satan. And they are putting satanic Christmas displays in certain cities. And they're not being opposed because of the separation of church and state. What we're seeing is our country being inundated by all this ungodliness. It's not about people. It's about the spirits that those people bring in. Are you listening? God warns us confer, or, or, or compels us, don't worship anything but me. Because in verse 17, then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and you shut up the heaven that there be no rain. The land yield not her fruit, lest you perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Therefore shall you lay up these words in your heart, my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontless between your eyes. And you shall teach them your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. And you write them upon the doorposts of your house and upon your gates. Verse 21, that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them, note this last phrase of verse 21, as the days of heaven upon the earth. That is God's will and plan for you and me in 2024. I've written it down, days of heaven upon the earth from beginning to end. That's what I'm believing for. I'm taking steps of faith. What was that step of faith? I, I wrote it down. I'm reading it. I'm speaking it. Glory to God. Anybody want to join me? Let's have some days of heaven. Let's have some days of heaven in 2024. Let's finish it off with a great election. Let's don't wait. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Let's finish it off with the right leadership. But let's don't wait on something before we expect God to work in our midst. Now, I know, you, I know God works for you. You've seen it. We've all seen it. This church has seen it. We are no strangers to the power of God. But what I'm here to tell you is we hadn't seen anything yet. In light of the principle of God reserving some things for these last days, we really haven't seen yet what there is to see. The devil would convince you, try to convince you, that what you've seen is as good as it's going to get. And, you know, after all, you're older and you don't have the energy and, you know, you just, and, and times have changed. And, nope. 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 We're people of vision. And God is loosing vision in his people. This is another reason. I'll close with this. This is another reason that we, that our vision grows dim because of the spiritual influences and the spiritual forces. It's like a snake a constrictor that'll wrap itself around its prey, squeeze and squeeze. And it'll eventually squeeze the life out of that animal. And that serpent 
as some of God's people in its coils. But rather than squeezing life out of you, it's squeezing light. But I see the Spirit of God. There, there's an, I asked Pastor on the way over here because I was praying about this, and I asked him if he knew where it was. I've seen a statue somewhere that represents the archangel Michael, the angel of war, standing with a sword having pierced a serpent. I think it's on some big government building or something like that in Europe, like in Brussels or somewhere in Germany. It's, it's you know, European. And it's, a, it's a, 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 a depiction of Michael the angel standing triumphant over a serpent with a sword. Uh, either it's cut his head off or it's skewered it or something like that. I've been seeing that in my spirit as I've been praying. And the Lord said, <clears throat> that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm loosing people's vision in 2024. You're going to start seeing some things, and I'm telling you what to do with them now. Receive them and act on realize God's showing you things to come for you. For you. You personally, for your church, for your family, for your business. And you may even see things for your nation. Write them down. Write them down. Write them down. And read them. And be fueled by them. And instead of letting CNN tell you what's coming, let the Holy Ghost tell you what's coming. Because I got news for you. CNN hasn't got a clue what's coming. Not a clue. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. Glory to God. Glory to But God's loosening your vision. He's loosening it. He's loosening it. Ministering spirits are at work. Light from heaven is shining. The roaches are running. Praise God. 2024. 2024. It's going to be a year. It's going to be a roller coaster. But God is sharing these things with us now so that we can know which direction this year is headed. It's a year of glory. We're going to see glory in 2024. In our churches. And we're going to see some of it in our nation too. Like I say, they're going to try to mask you up again. They're going to try to do They're going to try to threaten you. They're going to try to scare you. They're, but just remember, you've heard what God is saying. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. I need to lay my hands on you and pray for you. Is that all right? Pat? Yeah. Okay. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Mm. I, I lay my hands on you. I release anointing and power into you. From head to toe. Healing power, restoring power, light, life, vision. Oh, glory to God. Eskubango, Bangladesh, Meste, Ibradaska, Fronoso, Lamakaparata Kaste. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now, the Lord is perfecting those things that concern you. Uh, <laughs> praise God. He wants, he wants you to know rest, R-E-S-T. He wants to bring you to a place of rest. 
And so I just lay my hands on you in obedience to the Spirit of God, and I speak that word over you. Rest, peace, strength, health and healing in the name of Jesus. I thank God that the Holy Ghost makes it so and shows you what steps to take in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. And I bless you too. I bless you too. I bless you in the name of Jesus. And I release a fresh anointing, fresh oil from heaven. Let it manifest in fresh vision in Jesus' name. You're blessed and you're a blessing. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Stand up with me. Stand up with me, please. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's magnify and worship the Lord here for just a minute. Let's lift your hands. I tell you what, Sunday night, it's just us here. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost here for a minute. Glory to God. You have a prayer group. You have a group of prayers. Would that group of prayers, do they know who they are? Would that group of prayers come up here? Line up up here? Glory to God. If you're part of the regular prayer group, praise God. Come up here, line up. Thank you, Lord. Amen. These meetings have been prayed for. I can tell. Because I'm flowing totally independent of anything that I came in here with a preconceived idea. The Lord is just, I'm, I'm, I'm being pulled and led in several directions here. Glory to God. I know that you've prayed. My mind argues with me and says, boy, you're not even making any sense. You left your notes light years ago. You're just, you're just stumbling and bumbling. But in my heart, I know what's happening is there's deposits being made. There's, there's, there's actually, actually impartations that are going on here. Glory to God. And I know why. It's because of the, the specialness of this church and what God wants to do in the nation and how you've got such a big part of it. Glory to God. I want to lay my hands on you. And I'm just going to release whatever it is that I, I, don't, I don't even know what to call it. Obviously, it's the anointing. It's, it's the blessing. But, but I'm just going to lay my hands on you to release that on you that the Lord said impart to them. Because you know how to pray. You know what you're doing. You're doing it effectively and you're doing it efficiently. You see, things that, that, that God wants to get done, they aren't generated in board meetings. They don't, they don't come out of, out of uh, think tanks. They come out of, they're birthed out of prayer. Spiritual prayer, Holy Ghost prayer. Glory to God. So, Kromoshkahabra, Frendimosoko Remechikihaba, Hegesiskambalaka, Ronda, Veingle de Siskae, Do Yadana Ama, Dana Ama, 
uh, 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 spiritual eyes, spiritual eyes, the spirit of seeing and knowing. I sense in my spirit, Pastor Lydia, that, that there's going to be a greater uh, uh, manifestation, an ongoing manifestation of, of, uh, of, of, of seeing and knowing what God is doing in these last days to the end that it be prayed out effectively. I, I, th I, I, see, I see in my spirit that in your gatherings, there's gonna be revelation coming forth. Not just prayer and, and, and not just worship, but, but revelation, things being revealed. God showing things to come. So I lay my hands on you and I thank you, Lord, for imparting that that you desire. Anointing, fresh oil, impartations, whatever, whatever it is, whatever, whatever label should be put on it, we know that it's an impartation of the Spirit, an endowment of the Spirit, a deeper, a deeper measure and a deeper flow. And so it shall be, glory to God. And that's what you'll do, and that's where you'll go, and that's, that's what you'll know, glory to God. Glory, glory to God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that in 2024, there'll be visitations of the Spirit. Visitations of the Spirit, not just in our services, but in our lives, in the night visitations of the Spirit. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Glory, glory, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Power, power. Power being generated. Power for this hour. Thank you. Bless you, Lord. Glory, vision, 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 vision. That's it, that's what, that, that's, that's it, I see that, Lord. I see that, Lord. You are imparting, you're gonna take this group into a place of clear corporate vision, clear vision for the church. And it's gonna, it's gonna manifest also in their own personal lives. Glory to God. Coming clear, becoming clear. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God. I don't know what you're laughing at, but it's funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. In prayer, go for it. I hear that. I hear that. In prayer, go for it. Go for it in prayer. Go for it in prayer. Go for it in prayer. Just go for it. Praise God. Don't try to figure it out. Just go for it. Go for it. Dig. Drill deep. Drill deep. You're going to be drilling deeper in 2024. Yes. Going to be drilling deeper in 2024. Glory to God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just stay with it. Just stay with it. You're about to hit a gusher. Just stay with it. You're about to hit a gusher. In the name of Jesus, praise you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise God. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Oh, that's okay. Say your soul. Fred is king. So good with you, Dad. Saka Java. I just want to encourage you once again when the Lord speaks something to you get in the habit of writing it down taking that step of faith to give substance to it it may seem like a small thing but great great things great plants great trees come from small seeds glory to God and so is the kingdom of God thank you Lord Father we praise you we bless you. We bless everyone in this place, everyone under the sound of my voice, everyone that's watching by live stream. And we declare that 2024 is my year, our year of more. Toil no more in 2024, but flow with the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. 
Pastor? Hallelujah. It's all coming to pass. Amen. Every bit of Amen. it. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. It's all coming to pass. It, it is. It is coming it is. to pass. Yeah. Glory to God. Because see, we're in it for the long haul. We're in it for the long. Oh, yeah. But I see the finish line. In my spirit, I can see it. We're closing in on it. Ooh, glory. Glory to God. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Somebody's shoulder's being healed. He's got a, a shoulder. Something going on there. Power of God's here. Somebody else been having pain right here. Right there about where your navel is. The Lord was working on that a minute ago. I felt it in my in my in my body. Glory. Glory. Faith receives blessing. Faith receives finished work. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Imagine what tomorrow's going to be like. Woo! Glory to God, it's going to be good. 